I share a story with you today with permission. Years ago, I had a great dad idea. You guys know what dad ideas are? I had a child who was not the oldest child, who was three. And he could ride a bike with training wheels just fine. So I decided, won't it be a great idea to teach a three-year-old to ride on two wheels with no training wheels? So his mom took his older brother out to karate. And I said, hey, bud, you want to ride without training wheels? He says, huh? So we got out the tool bag, got the wheels off. I started running behind him. And within literally two minutes, he's riding at the age of three with no training wheels. Well, that was all well and good until we got to the point of, having to stop. And he hit the curb, fell into the grass, and I said, get up, you're fine, you're doing a great job. And we practiced the stopping and the going, and everything was going well. Well, the next day we're out for a bike ride, and said three-year-old is riding as fast as he could be because he always had to be in the front. And he rode looking backwards to make sure he was well in the lead. And he's riding and pedaling, and I'm screaming, stop! And the next thing you know, you see this horrible event where the back of a pickup truck meets a three-year-old head on. And he went flying under, he claims he tried to skid, I don't know what he's talking about. He went flying under, the bike went flying under, and do you know what all dads do when this happens? Rich, tell him, what would a good dad do? I wasn't going there, but I said, get up, you're fine. And sure enough, he comes out, a little blood coming off, you know, a couple pieces of skin missing, and he's fine. Get on your bike, let's keep going. He got on his bike, and off we rode. Well, why do I share that story with you? The reason is it's what our text is all about. It says right here in Romans 6, get up, you're fine. Do you guys see that? Not yet. Verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, your slaves are the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to what? Sanctification. Sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's so much I want to say regarding this text, but really if I could just make one or two points, we're going to be flying high. The first thing I want you to see is the importance of understanding gospel grammar. You ever teach someone to speak English and they get all messed up with definite articles, possessive pronouns, and verb tenses? You know what I'm talking about? That ball be mine. Well, 
what happens is, is you learn the language, you learn the tenses better, you speak more fluently. And when it comes to the gospel, you got to know the gospel grammar. Indicatives and imperatives. Statements of truth of, as far as who you are, what you are, who God is, and commands to do. If you don't understand that every command from God flows from a statement of truth from God, you will destroy yourself with legalism or antinomianism. This text tells you to go and do something. But you're going and doing something based on who you are. And if you don't understand who you are, you are incapable of going and doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Too often we mess up our gospel grammar and we tell people go and do. Do not tell a lost person to go and obey God. Do you know why? They can't. Don't, don't say, you should not lie or you're going to hell. No, you should say you're going to hell. You shouldn't lie, but you can't help but lie. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still liars, Christ died for us. And if you've been raised with Christ, if you've died with Christ, you're no longer a liar. Now stop lying. Do you understand proper gospel grammar? It's not go and do, it's be who you are so that you can go and do. Are you guys tracking with me? This is so important to understanding everything we're going to look at in 6 and 7 and 8. Because what we have here is a promise. Look at verse 13 and 14 for a moment. You say that was the last week. We're going to do it again. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. That's a command. But present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That's a command, okay? Do that. Do that. Do that. But you got to get 14 to do it. For sin will have no dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but under grace. Do you see this? You have died with Christ. You've been risen with Christ. Should you keep on sinning? You can't. You've died and risen. You walking with me here? The promise is right there. You've been brought from death to life. Sin has no dominion over you. I want you to sit in that truth for a minute. You've been brought from death to life. Sin has no dominion over you, assuming that you have been saved. That's Romans 1 through 5. That's how you know if you've been justified. If you've been justified, you're no longer captive to sin. Is everyone tracking with me here? Does everyone got good gospel grammar? That was a joke. Laugh with me. Mia, help him out. You need to understand the promise to understand the command. It's like saying, go ride your bike because I've made you able to ride the bike and I'll hold you up on your bike. Now you just pedal. Got it? So, we have a, a promise, and now we have a command. Verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? What's the answer? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to what? Or of obedience, which leads to? So we're all slaves. But oh, I love verse 17. I, 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 oh, there's so much I love in this section. But thanks be to who? You know why? Do you know who saves? The easy answer, G-O-D. You know who saves? Do you know what you contribute to your salvation? Thanks be to God. 
You know why we're thankful people? Because who else are you going to thank? What else are you going to give thanks for? You were dead in your sins, but God showed his love for us. And that while we were sinners, dead in our sin, Christ died for us and saved us and reconciled and made us righteous. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Now watch this. This is beautiful. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the tulos of teaching. Your Bible say tulos? What's it say? Tulos, Greek word, means standard, but bear with me. Anyone ever have the Hot Wheels wax car maker growing up? Best toy ever, yeah? You get a mold, you put the axles in, you put your glob of of wax, and it melts down, you pour that sucker in, it hardens up, you got the car. When you're tired of the car, you glob that thing back in, melt it down, you make a new car. The plastic thing is called a tulos. It's a mold. It's a standard. My friends, if you are in Christ, you in very real truth have been melted down and poured anew, born anew into a new mold. What mold? The standard of truth, the gospel, the image of Christ. Do you understand who you are in Christ? You are a tulos. You've been molded into truth and are molded by the truth. You've got to understand how beautiful this is. It ain't the old you. The old you got melted down in the wax. And it was poured anew into the image of the standard of teaching into which you were conformed, which is the gospel. Do do you catch that? Is it just me getting that excited about this? (laughs) You can obey because you are new. You're you're a, a new chassis. You're a new car. You're a new vehicle. You, you are made totally anew. It's not the old Roy. It's the new Roy. It's Christ in Roy. Do you see that? You got melted down in Christ. John 3.16, I was melted down in Christ. No, you're born anew is a biblical terminology. Do you see how beautiful this is? Do you remember? I'll slow down here. Can I slow down? I doubt it. Moses, Exodus, Watch this. God told Moses to go to Pharaoh. Amen? What did he tell him to say to Pharaoh? See, y'all are, y'all are balky because you're like, what's he going to do here? It's not hard. What did he tell Pharaoh? Say it louder. Say it again. You're not actually totally right. There's a, something that comes after that right there in that there Bible. You remember what it says? Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus 7, 16. Let my people go that they may wander around the rest of their life doing what they like. No, that's American Christianity. Let my people go that they may serve me. Look at Romans 1, 5. You're saved to bring about the obedience of faith. You are too lost. You're you're formed into a new image, made into a new creation, so that you're saved from slavery to sin, so that you may serve God. Do do you understand how incredible this is? Do 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 sorry. Do you have to obey Jesus? I'm gonna mess with your heads a little bit. The phrase have to has no place in your salvation. You cannot gain it or lose it by what you do. 
Everybody got that down pat? I want to make sure you got that down pat. Do you have to do anything to be saved? Is there anything you can do if you're saved to lose your salvation? No. But if you're saved, do you have to obey God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what the answer is? Jesus, John 14, 15, what's he saying? If you love me, what? And then it says, if you want to, right? No. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you are saved, do you have to obey Jesus? Yes, because you can't help but obey Jesus if you're saved. Perfectly and all the time? No. In increasing measure? Yes. Why? Because you're a tulos. You're, you're, you're a new creation. Saved to obey God. Now, too often... We don't hear that teaching. We, we just hear, Jesus loves me, Jesus saved me, I'm forgiven, la-di-da. Okay? Do what you want, you're under grace. Stop. Stop. Do you know what you do when you do what you want to do when it's not the will of God? Somebody say you're going to chapter 7. I know, hang on. Do you know what you're doing when you're not doing what God calls you to do? It's called sin. And do you know what's wrong with sin? It's the equivalent of swimming in a septic tank. Why do you want to swim in a septic tank? Why do you want to rob God of glory? Why do you want to spit in God's face? It's the old self. You've died to the old self. Put off the desires of the flesh and walk in who you are, a new creation of Christ Jesus. You are obedient. You've become obedient. You're becoming obedient from the heart. I love this. It's not an outward action. It's an inward desire that changes and drives the outward action a desire of the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. You're not a slave of the flesh. You're not a slave of the devil. You're a slave of Christ and he calls his slaves friends. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Paul says, I'm speaking to you in human terms. I mean, y'all, y'all are idiots like me. Y'all on the wrong side of the wrong side of glory. But remember, just as you once presented your members as sl- your members as slaves to impurity and a lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, which leads ultimately to what? Death. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to more righteousness, leading to more righteousness that leads to eternal life. Eternal life isn't about a quantity of life. It's about a quality of life. Y'all live forever. The question is, where do you live forever? And do you know what Jesus saved us to? Do you know what he saved us from? Do you know how he saved us? By it. Hmm. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You couldn't do anything righteous. But what, you ever think about what you used to do when you were lost? Ha! This is not me. I had legalistic issues. But ha! I was drunk out my mind. I don't even know whose house I woke up at, but it was fun. I cannot wait to get my next hit of drugs and drunk on something and find somebody to spend the evening with. Oh, yeah. Who who walks around doing that if they're saved? You know why? Because you are shamed and horrified and disgusted because you have an understanding of what sin is. Don't go looking down at people who talk like that either. You say this, you say, I can relate. I used to be just like you, but thanks be to God, I got into the Hot Wheels wax maker. And they'll look at you and you say, you could get into Hot Wheels wax maker. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Sin leads to shame and more sin and death. But God saved us to cause us to walk 
in obedience, in righteousness, which leads to sanctification, which means we become more like Jesus. And you know where the end of the Jesus road leads? It leads in glory in the presence of Christ. My friends, sometimes sin hits you in the face and you lay on the road and you act like you can't get out of sin or you're stuck in sin. Take it from me. Get up, you're okay. Get up, you're not who you think you are. Get up and trust in Jesus. Where, where, where sin got you smacked down right now? Where are you captive to sin, do you think? I got a bad attitude. I can't stop my bad attitude. Oh, I doubt God too much. I can't stop doubting. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. Stop. 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 You can. And you will. Because he says so. Now, per Kyle's point, there are aspects where you do have intervention come in in God's providence. If I break my leg, don't pray that God would heal my leg. Get me a cast. But when it comes to areas of struggle in, in the flesh, and in, in the desires of the flesh, you're not captive. You're not captive. You're, you're not stuck. Take a minute. Where, where are you? Think about this in your head. Don't shout it out. Where right now are you walking in sin? Repetitive sin that you're okay with. And if off the top of your head your answer is, I don't think anywhere, well, then you're a liar. You say, why do I say that? Because I read it in the Bible. First John, if we say we have no sin, we're lying. We all have sin. God is working through recovering sin addicts, right? Where's that sin you think you're stuck in? I can't trust God with that. I can't walk with God through that. I think I need that. Where, where is that sin? Where is that area where you're living for anything but the glory of God? Where in your life are you focused on you? Even so comfortable with it that you kind of like it. Can I tell you something? If you're a new creation in Christ, if you're truly justified, what you are is laying under the pickup truck. Or to put it in the words of Psalm 23, you're cast. You're a cast sheep. And Jesus comes along, cast sheep, and he picks them up. Right, Renee? Remember where we're going here? And cast sheep are bloated with gas. And the Lord Jesus picks up bloated, gaseous little sheep, and he lets us pass that gas until we can stand up on our own feet. Think about that. Jesus is walking in your stank because he loves you so much. But that is what sin is. It's wallowing in stank, and you're not stuck in stank because Jesus promises to restore his cast sheep. Do you know what you call a sheep who's cast in sin and doesn't ever want to get out of sin? You call it a goat in sheep's clothing. Here's the hard part of where we're going. If you are saved, you will obey Jesus. We're free from sin. Now notice, it doesn't say we're free from sinning. Oh, no, 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 no. We're free from captivity to sin. So what happens is as we walk in the will of God, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and we begin to live more for the glory of God and we rejoice in the fact that we are not captive to sin. So you have to obey Jesus if you're saved because you can't help but obey Jesus. Do you hear me? We're going to plumb into this real deep in Sunday school and I understand this is a difficult topic, but here's what I want you to get. The church sometimes, not this church, but the church in the West sometimes looks like it's sleeping. Amen? 
It looks like it's stuck under a pickup truck, amen? It looks like a pathetic representation of Christ. Well, well, in Romans 6, what we have, Paul speaking to the, to the church of God in Rome, but the Holy Spirit speaking to all believers, and we'll get to Revelation at some point down the road. Do you know how Jesus feels about lukewarm? <laughs> Guys, we have this privilege of being saved by God and called to God to live with God for his glory. And we need to understand what we are. We're like a high-end Lamborghini. Okay? And you've been given the keys, and it's been all fueled up. And when you were born anew, the Lord turned the key and fired you up. But what we do too often is we kind of sit in the driveway just tapping the accelerator. And the world looks and goes, what the heck is that noise? Well, you know what Romans 6 tells us? That we were made to get on the road and drive for the glory of God to the eternal home that he's brought us to. But here's a kicker. You don't drive the car. You sit in the back seat. Do you know Jesus ain't your co-pilot? He is the pilot and you're a passenger. And that's the point of what we got going on here. You will obey because he's driving the car. You will obey because he's steering the ship. You will go home because he will cause you to get home because he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. God is willing and working his will in your very own life if you are saved. I want you to rest in this. Do you have to? Yeah, you have to, but you can't help it. Anybody breathing? Do you have to breathe? What if you want to stop? You know why you have to breathe? Now, I'm no physiologist, but I do know that breathing is an involuntary reflex, yes? Kim, is it an involuntary muscle? You're, you're the medical professional in my eyesight. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm getting really winded. You breathe because your body just breathes involuntarily. If you're saved, your body just obeys involuntarily because it's submitted to the will of God. Do you see that? You voluntarily submit as far as your mind goes to the reality of who you are in Christ. And that's Paul's point. It's just a simple question. Well, well, if we're saved by grace through faith and there's nothing for us to do to be saved, won't we just go on sinning? No! Last week, you died with Christ. How, how can you go on sinning if you died with Christ? This week, no! How can you go on sinning if you're a slave to Christ? Do you, do you see that? And I notice what I said, go on sinning, present, active, continual sense. It doesn't say, how can you sin? It says, how can you go on sinning? Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Watch this. For it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. Did you catch that? God causes you to desire, and God causes you to do. You do not need an outward driving force to obey God. You don't need to be constrained or confined by man-made regulations. You need to submit to the power of God. Did you know that? We don't need rules. We have God's law, which shows us how to live, but we have God's power. So often as Christians, we get scared and make rules. 
So we got a new church rule. Nobody can go to the movies. Nobody can drink, nobody can smoke. Nobody can talk on the phone after 10 p.m. Nobody can have smartphones, nobody. We're gonna keep sin away. You know where sin's most dangerous, where it comes from that's most dangerous? It will. She says in churches and she's right. The problem though, isn't Christian people that sin, as I said last week. It's Christian people who aren't really Christian. That's the problem the churches have. The most dangerous thing to me resides right deep down in here, in, in the desires of the flesh. Sure, the world might tempt me, but the world isn't the biggest danger. I come pre-wired for danger. But Christ came to set me free from slavery. Do you know the end of the Civil War? There were slaves who did not leave the plantations in the South. They couldn't believe it was true, or they were scared of what would happen if they left the plantation. Did you know this is true? My friends, you have been set free. You are no longer a slave in this field of law. You're now a slave in the field of grace. Now, Paul says, I speak to you based on your natural limitations. This slavery analogy breaks down. You know why? Jesus is no harsh taskmaster, is he? Jesus says in John 15, he calls us his friends. Do you understand what this means? But my friends, the master who had dominion over you, he's no longer your master. And with this new master that you have, you need to leave the land of slavery. God called the people out of Egypt. He set them free. How many times did they want to go back? Moses, we're going to die out here. It was better it was better in Egypt. Don't we often act like it was better in sin? Yeah. You've been set free from sin. You are not who you think you are, and this is where I want to land the ship. Did I say land the ship? So land the plane. We'll dock the ship. We need not be so focused on what we're called to do, though that is important. We need to be far more focused on who we were called to. Because the better and more clearly you see Christ, the more strongly you will desire, if you are saved, to walk with Christ. Because there is nothing in the world more beautiful than Christ. Ricky and I were talking this morning. He brought up this wonderful truth. God has his eye constantly, intimately, and attentively upon each and every one of his children. He promises to care for us perfectly, and he does care for us perfectly. What do you think you need that God's not giving you? You know, you can ask him. Maybe he forgot. You can ask him. And he listens and he loves you. What do you think is going on in your life that's just not fair and God isn't paying attention? Well, what do you think is going to happen that's going to destroy you if Christ is for you? And as I said to Ricky, I love that truth, but it convicts me of such sin because so often I act like it's not true. You see, if one of my kids, when they were little, was playing in the playground and I'm watching, you're not going to mess with my kids. They might fall off a swing, but that's about all that can happen because I'm watching them and I'm going to protect them. Well, I'm reactive. God don't react. God providentially orchestrates everything that happens. My friends, as a father, when I tell my kids to go and do something, I want them to do it. For imperfect reasons, but at time with a bent of, this is what's best for you. 
When God calls us to do something, he calls us to do it, yes, because it's best for us. But ultimately, what's best for us is bringing glory to God. So think of it this way. When God says, you shall have no other gods before me, do you know what he saved you to be able to do? Worship no other gods beside him. When God calls you to not lie, do you know what he saved you and empowered you to do? To not lie. My friends, the commandments of God are true and the believers are to keep the commandments of God. But the commandments of God are to be kept as believers understand who they are in Christ. Do you follow me? Gospel grammar. So go and don't sin anymore. Go and remember what sin is. For one sin, God condemned the entirety of the human race. Jesus came and died for all the sins of those who would believe in him. Remember who Christ is. Remember who you were. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. There's a, a wonderful, wonderful verse in Galatians 5.1. Go ahead and flip over there for a minute. This is, this is so wonderful, and this is, this is where this leads here. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we read, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do you know a lost person? I, I hear this term all the time, free will. We've talked about it in men's breakfast. It's a robust discussion. Think about this. Does a lost person have the freedom of will to do anything pleasing to God? Even when they do the right things, they do them for the wrong reasons. Isaiah tells us that. A lost person has no ability to do anything pleasing to God. But you, who've been born anew in Christ, and here's what life is all about on this side of glory, you have the ability to choose. Listen to me. You have the ability as one who has been born anew in Christ to choose to glorify God or to rob God of glory. And ultimately, your life is all about that battle of will I glorify God and have the joy set before me or will I rob God of the glory and think I know better than he does? And the answer to how to get out of that pit of focusing too much on self is to go back to the reality of the gospel day by day by day. We were all under the wrath of God about to spend eternity separated from God. God said, you must be perfect. Just checking, any perfect people here? God said, you should be kind of good. No, he said, you must be perfect, meaning everything you do must be done for the glory of God from the moment you drew breath. Anybody done that? Well, the text says the wages of sin is death. If you've not done that, you are going to hell to spend eternity under the wrath of God. When, when sick people die, how often do you hear at a funeral? Well, they're in a better place. Well, apart from Christ, they're not. They ain't seen nothing yet. This is a horrible reality. But God shows his love for us that he sent his son to live the perfect life we couldn't, to die the death we deserve. He rose three days later, and when we trust in him alone for salvation by grace through faith, we rise with him. No longer is there condemnation in Christ Jesus. We are free. Amen? 
The more we understand this reality of the God we've been saved from and the God we've been saved to and what he has set before us and what it means to be a slave of Christ, when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the less you can desire to walk for his glory. Amen? Now, you can't do this on your own, and that's why God gives us these things called churches as a gift. We need to care for one another and guide one another and correct one another and say, hey, you look a little bloated over there, sheep. Let me bear that burden with you. Sheep stink, but you a sheep. And we do this for the glory of God, not for our own desires. I'm not going to be nice to you because you can mutually benefit me. That's what the world does. I'm going to love you like Christ loved me. And by our love for one another, the world will know that we belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? We should be a peculiar people, walking in a peculiar way. And the most peculiar thing should be that we're living for the glory of God. Not so much because we have to. The answer is yes, you have to. But because we can't help but do, because we've died with Christ. We're no longer a slave to sin. So when the world looks at you, what do they see? You know what I don't want them to see when it comes to me? I don't want to see a cat laying under a pickup truck. <laughs> I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. I want to see them seeing someone fighting sin day by day for the glory of God because I've been saved by the love of God. Who understands that my life isn't about me? I got, you know these things called bucket lists? Please get rid of them. God's got a bucket list. It says glorify me. And all those things you want to do before you die, there's something better on the other side of eternity. You want to see the Grand Canyon? I'd like to see the Grand Canyon, but I bet there's some better scenery to see in the new heavens and the new earth. So I'm not saying don't travel and see places. Unless you've been traveling too much, you should probably stay home. What I am saying is put it in a proper priority structure. There's a lot of cool stuff to see in this world. There's a lot of good places to go, and there's a lot of fun stuff to enjoy. But keep it in perspective, guys. I'll give you a new bucket list. Glorify me, saith the Lord. And as you walk for the glory of God, wait till you see these vistas he puts before you, some of which can only be seen with spiritual eyes as he lifts you and gives you a perspective that only he has as he leads you home. I don't want you guys to get confused with this concept of obedience to God. But I want you to see how important this, this concept of obedience to God is. You don't have to be manhandled into it. Sometimes you got to be wrestled back into the pen, if you know what I mean, fellowship. But you will come back into the fold of the flock if you're saved because you'll hear the good shepherd's voice and he calls. And he calls primarily through his word and the Holy Spirit convicts. But here's what I want you to see. It is of utmost importance that we walk in obedience to God in every conceivable way because that's what we've been saved to. And our lives fall back too much into... God told Moses, let my people go. And that is so true when it comes to Jesus. We've been saved from slavery. You are free from slavery. But now that you've gone, what you going to do? And too often, this is where the churches fall off the rockers. They either give you rules and regulations and they say, well, why don't we tell you what to do? Stop it. Let God tell you what to do. Or they say, go and do what you like. You're under grace. Stop it. You don't understand the commandments of God. Remember, we go back in Romans a little further. I used the illustration of the roller coaster where Moses was calling the people to, to get in the car at the top of the hill. You guys remember this? 
and there were people climbing up the greasy rails and no one could make it to the top of the lift or the highest peak of the roller coaster. And then Paul says, get in the harness and let the crane lift you to the top and put you in the car. Remember that one? Moses and Paul, as you sit in the car at the top and go down the, the, the rails of the roller coaster, have their arms alongside one another, embracing as perfect friends. You must keep the law. Christ kept it for you. Now you're in the car at the top of the hill. Boom. Romans 6 through 8. You're riding the rails of sanctification. There is much more to be said about this. There are many questions that I'm sure you're asking yourselves. Let me encourage you. Engage with us downstairs today if you're able. So we're going to dig into this providentially. This is what the Sunday School chapter is about. Engage in dialogue with me, with other people in the church. Ask these questions because the goal is to get gospel grammar right so that we can live for the glory of God and the power of God and have the joy set before us in Christ Jesus. Amen? Jesus came that we might have life and have it what? Let's chase that down. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. The fact that you chose to speak and that you chose to speak so we could understand. It's like us talking to worms, I think it was C.S. Lewis says. That you would so step down from your pedestal of glory in the sense of entering into this dark and sin-fested world to save us is beyond comprehension. And Lord, the fact that we keep running back to the filth, help us. We, we are literally insane people. And that is why I say we're recovering sin addicts at times. And too many of us, Lord, know addicts, be it drugs or alcohol or any other thing, pornography, and we see them wrestle in their minds with knowing how horrible it is to go back to the drug or the thing they're addicted to, but an inability to stop. Well, Lord, we have that ability to stop. And it's often very hard because you compare it to dying to self. But Lord, how awesome that you don't call us to just go and do that. You say, let me go with you. Let me strengthen you for that, and let me carry you through that. Lord, we often get distracted by the delights of the world, or the desires of the flesh, or thinking in that one more thing, if we could just have that thing, then we'd have joy. Lord Jesus, help us to be reminded that there's only one thing that brings joy, and that is you. And there's only one way to be made right with you, and that is by your grace through faith. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who does not yet know you, perhaps they've pursued all that the world has to offer and enjoyed it, or perhaps they've not been able to consume much of it, I pray you might redirect their desire to you, that you would cause them to be drawn to you and see the reality of who you are a just and holy and mighty and scary God who will destroy all sin, but a God who stood in the breach, who did what was totally unfair and took the wrath of God upon himself, being both just and the justifier, so that those who will trust in him will be saved. 
And Lord, for those of us who have trusted in you, we pray, Holy Spirit, for your strength. We pray that even through your word today, you might give us a clearer view of not only the gospel, but the fact that you, Lord Jesus, are the gospel. And that you might empower us to flee sin and run to and with you. Lord, too often we live as if we're still slaves to sin, but we're not. And I pray that for your glory, we would help one another in your power live like that. Remind us, Lord, there's much at stake here. There are lost people who need to hear this good news of forgiveness. And there's a mighty God who we have the opportunity to glorify. Lord, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us, for saving us, and to making us anew so that we might glorify you. And Lord, forgive us because we don't want to glorify you sometimes. And help us. Give us an increasing desire. Convict us of sin. Cause us to destroy those idols in your power in our lives. So our desire to glorify you would grow more and more day by day. So on that day we enter into our eternal rest and gaze upon you face to face. We might see a giant smile. You say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And we smile with tears in our eyes as we look back to you and simply say, praise you, Lord Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.